0: 1 John two eighteen through 27 is where we are. 1 John 2, verse 18 through 27, very important stuff. Hear now the word of God. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they weren't of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in Him. The Word of God. An atheist was walking through the woods one day, admiring all the accidents that evolution had created. What majestic trees! What powerful rivers! What beautiful animals, he said. Suddenly, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him. Turning to look, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear charging toward him. He ran as fast as he could, Up the path, he looked over his shoulder and saw that the grizzly was closing in on him. He was so scared that tears came to his eyes. His heart was pounding. He tried to run faster, but then he tripped and he fell to the ground. He rolled over to pick himself up, but the bear was over him. It's Right paw was ready to claw him, and he cried out, Oh, God, help me! Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was silent. A still, small voice spoke to his mind. You deny my existence for all these years, teach others that I don't exist, and even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of a predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist replied, I would feel like a hypocrite To become a Christian after all these years. But perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. The sound of the forest resumed. Then the bear dropped its right paw. Brought both paws together. Bowed its head and prayed. Lord for this food which I'm about to receive. I am truly thankful. There are no atheists in foxholes, friends. In times of extreme stress or fear, such as during war or bear attacks, many people will cry out to God even if they've lived like he doesn't exist. When I travel, I love to look at churches and church signs. I have a concern, I believe, for the state of the church in New England. One church sign caught my eye. It said this, a recycling congregation. Can you imagine if the primary distinctive of our church was that our members recycle? I recycle. You probably do too. I think it's a good thing. But that's what I don't want to be known for. I want to be known for preaching the truth in love. Don't you? Because that's what the Bible tells us to do. To preach the truth in love. Recycling is beside the point. Amen? Apparently, for that church, biblical truth is not foundational. So much has changed. In so short a time, personal computers and the internet and smartphones and emails and text messages and so much convenience. We strangely have all these time-saving conveniences. We don't have any time. And we have so much information we don't read. And we have so much time-saving devices that we have no time to think. You know what they say. You put a post on Facebook, keep it short. The average person is going to spend like five seconds. And if he doesn't catch, he's on to the next one. We have so much information, but we lost the truth we have been immersed in a deadly brainwash that will take many down to hell. It's called postmodernism. Postmodernism is the philosophy that simply says absolute truth does not exist. You got your truth, I got mine. You got yours, your brand. That's my truth, that's your truth, and we can both have our truths. But mine can't be wrong, and yours can't be wrong, and I'm just living my reality, and you're living your reality, and we know that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Someone might say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is good for you, but I'm different. My truth is different. Does it make any difference to the existence of God and Jesus, whether or not you believe? By you not believing, does that mean God disappears from your life? Of course not. If you believe a lie, then you suffer the consequences. Most Americans are postmodern today. That is a horrible thing. It's relativism. It's an idea that truth is whatever you want it to be. But you see, truth is outside of you, not inside of you. We hope the truth outside of you gets in you, but for many, the truth is what you think it is, but it might not be. You might be sincere, but you might be sincerely wrong. Truth is that which comports with the reality of God. His will, his commandments, his history, his future. That's truth. And what people make up in their minds is just lie. Many of which they have been sold by the devil and have adopted as their own they're very proud of those lies they think they actually maybe even came from God it's like sitting next to someone and the person's lying to you you're driving the car and their face looks like Jesus and they say turn left but you said Jesus that's the cliff turn left keep going and it pulls the mask off it's not Jesus, it's the devil, and you're about to go to your doom. You dig what I'm saying? Pilate said, What is truth? There's nothing really new under the sun, is there? Tolerance. In the world, people call it tolerance. As Dorothy Sayers said, in hell, it's called despair. The sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and remains alive because there is nothing for which it will die. Let me ask you, is there anything for which you will sacrifice today in your life, outside of you, outside of your children, outside of your family? Is there anything you would sacrifice today? Would you give something up for the Lord Jesus? Would you give your life up for the Lord Jesus Or would you like to just keep serving yourself and have Jesus there as a convenient bellhop who keeps you out of hell? Is Jesus your errand boy? Is he Lord or are you of your life? Good question, isn't it? You can come to church for 30 years. And still have self on the throne. You realize that? There are many people that have never dethroned self. I remember when we sold the old church and bought this one. There were some people that immediately left. Left! Why? Because their idea of church was a white building. It wasn't the people they were sitting next to. Church is people. This is a building. Church is people. And we have a responsibility to people. You became a member. You got married. You just got married to everybody in here, if you're a member. We have members today that leave and they never tell anybody. They just leave. Reminds me of a cousin who told his wife, this is a true story, he told his wife he was going out for a pack of cigarettes. He lived in Massachusetts. He got on a plane and flew to California. And he never came back. He didn't tell her, honey, it's not working out, I'm going to divorce you. He just left. 45 years later, he came back to see grandchildren, and he expected people to say, Oh, you're back. They looked at him like he was invisible, like he was dead to them, because he was. Beloved, we're members of a body, we are one body. We're members of Christ's body and we have a responsibility one to another. It's not just me serving you, shining your shoes, but it's you washing each other's feet and mine as well as I wash yours. Truth is a big issue. Truth is outside of us. Beethoven may have poisoned himself. That's what William Walsh, a scientist, suggested after studying strands of hair from the classical composer's body. Ludwig van Beethoven. Walsh discovered that his body had 100 times the normal amount of lead. He concluded that Beethoven's untimely death at the age of 57 was due to lead poisoning. Beethoven's lead poisoning may have been due to the mineral spar he went to for relaxation. The very thing he thought was bringing him relief was slowly poisoning him to death. Spiritual poison is like that. As people engage in practices and embrace ideas that are spiritually poisonous, they think they're becoming more spiritual, but in reality they're gradually being poisoned to eternal death. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if You abide in my word. You are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Point number one. We are in the last hour. Why? The Bible says so. And what happens in the last hour? The battle for truth is intensified. It's getting intense right now. It doesn't look intense because lies are like molasses being thrown at people and they become slow and stupid and not discerning and like marshmallows, just till they die. We live in a day where the whole idea of spiritual discernment is minimized because spiritual truth is minimized. Set aside your doctrinal views and accept anyone who says that they believe in Jesus. Did you know that not everyone who believes in Jesus believes in the Jesus of the Bible? Some believe in their own Jesus. They make up their Jesus. They believe in a pseudo Jesus, a fake Jesus. And guess what? A fake Jesus saves no one. Can I put it to you plain? It's highly significant that John, the apostle of love, who has just written that love is an essential mark of the true Christian, now calls these false teachers antichrists and liars. He doesn't call them brothers in Christ, who just have different ways of understanding things. He makes it plain that they were trying to deceive true Christians and they were not Christian in any sense of the term. Now listen to this. This line right here in my notes has got the most emphasis that it's ever been received from my computer ever. When I emphasize stuff in my notes, I bold it. But these letters are not only bolded, they're all capped. Ready? True biblical love is not divorced from an emphasis on biblical truth. Listen. To compromise the truth about the person and work of Jesus Christ is to be hateful to the core, because such error results in the internal damnation of those who embrace it. You get that? If I stand up here and bring to you a pseudo-Jesus, I will be part and parcel of your damnation. That's why I'm so glad. And can I say this? Can I just say this kind of off the cuff? I'm so glad that I'm bivocational. It's such a blessing. Because you could hate me and throw me out in the parking lot, and I would say, Great, see you later. I know where my next meal's coming from. But if I had to depend on you for supporting me, would I temper what I'm saying to you? Would I not want to offend anybody and so I keep getting my daily bread? I guess that's God's design, isn't it? I get to be right on truthful because God's got me. Look at, last week we talked about three tests of assurance. One is, are you obedient to the Word of God? If you're habitually disobedient to the Word of God, you're not a Christian. Number two, do you love other Christians? Not just the ones you like, but do you love every Christian in the bunch? Even though they might be weird, they might annoy you, annoy you, They may not have anything in common with you. They might be younger than you. They might be older than you. Do you love other Christians? Three, do you love the world system? Are you enmeshed in the world system? No, do you not love the world system? Are you weary of the world system? Well, there's hope. Here's the next test that John gives us today. Number four, He gives the test of truth. Do you love the truth? Amen. He gives the doctrinal test of truth about the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the last hour. Antichrists have already slipped into the church, and the Antichrist is coming. Now, you have to wonder and you have to concern yourself with the word anti, right? In Greek, it's Christos." right? Anti either means two things. It means either instead of or in opposition to or both. I believe it means here both. Some people preach a Christ who's against the real Christ. And some people preach a Christ who is a substitute for the real Christ. You're like, what? How could a Christian church preach a pseudo-Christ? How could that be? Is that happening in, around our world? Is that real? Well, yeah, I think it is. Antichrists offer a pseudo Christ in today's church world. Here's some ways. I just plucked out four. One. A Jesus who is not Lord of all. He's not worshipped. There's no daily devotion. There's no surrender. He's not Lord of all. And you know what they say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Some people worship a Jesus who's not Lord. They're Lord, and Jesus is their whipping boy. If that's your Jesus, you're worshiping a pseudo Jesus. Number two, a Jesus who is not omniscient. Followers of such a Jesus do whatever they want with no fear of chastisement and with no repentance. They don't believe that Jesus sees what they do in the dark what they do in secret the thoughts they think, the words they say the gossip they engage in. Their Jesus is not omniscient. Number three, and here's a big one. This is the biggest one I think. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. A Jesus who's merely a feeling or an idea rather than the God man. They seek to attract people to feel the feeling, or they seek to bring people to accept the idea. And they congratulate themselves when they all have either felt the same feeling or embraced the same idea. You get that? It's spectrum, right? On one side is the feely church. We could get into a worship song for three hours just so we all feel the same thing, right? And we said, wow. The presence of God was really a church. Didn't you feel it? Everybody felt it. And your Jesus is just a feeling. Now, I'm not saying that emotions should not be attendant with the true worship of God. But they should be triggered by truth. They shouldn't be sought as the goal. And there's plenty of churches all around your area, all around the world, where Jesus is a feeling. And you leave church. And you know what used to happen? I was in one of those churches. I played the piano in one of those churches. On Sunday nights, a seven-foot black ebony Yamaha. It was one of the beautiful, you could play it with your toes and it would sound good. And I remember playing this piano. The band was smoking and people were dancing all over the place and doing the Watusi and all that stuff. And feeling the feeling. And everybody thought God was there. But then Monday came. You know what happens on Monday in a church? Nothing. Because they're closed on Monday. And there was a bunch of depressed people who lost the feeling. They came home Sunday night and there was no feeling anymore. And they were depressed because they needed feeling. It was like drugs. They needed to get the feeling. Boston was right. It's more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. Now, on the other side of the feeling thing, right, is the Jesus that's just a propositional idea. This is where all the academics are. They're more concerned about what so-and-so said about Jesus or what so-and-so or this guy or that guy or this. They could tell you everybody who knows something about the Bible and it becomes just an academic exercise. And when everybody gets the same academic idea together, they congratulate themselves that we got it. We know everybody else is dumb. And we're smart. Aren't you glad we're smart? But Jesus is the God-man. He's there in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we go to meet him. We're going to meet a person. Amen? We worship a person. Are you there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. God. You, are you tracking with me on that, though? could be less people here next week. Uh, number four, uh, Jesus, who's not the head of the church. We want to do what we always did. That's not the way we do it here. I have pastors that call me up and they say, i got a problem because the folks are doing this, and they say, that's the way we always did it. I got a poor guy out in the western part of the country pastoring a small work of about 45 people, and there's something that's blatantly wrong. The poor guy is out there, came from far away to be pastor of that church, and they won't let him. Because that's the way we always did it. Tradition. Let me take my tradition out of my back pocket. You got your Bible? Let me get my tradition. This is the way we always did it. Pastor, what are you doing? Now, on the other side of tradition is trend. We're going to do something because we like the trend. Right? We're going to make the church look like a coffee shop. Because people love to drink coffee and sit around and eat donuts. So instead of making a church look like this, with all this stuff, we're going to make this place look like Starbucks. And that way, people will come to the coffee shop thinking they're having coffee and donuts, and we'll just slip in the truth somewhere in their donuts somewhere. You know, the little kids eat the munchkin, and inside it's like a little... Bible verse. That's the, kind of like the for, fortune cookie Christianity. We just want to be like the world. We want you to like us. But when you come in, we'll slip a little Christian in there. Just get it in there. You know what I mean? That's trendy. And the church growth experts will tell you that's how you do it. I talked to a church, church growth expert. And he said, "I'm going me see, I got to see you. And they talk like that because they're from the South. I got to see your website, Pastor. He went to the pastor, the website, and he saw the statement of faith. And he read our statement of faith. And it talks about some serious cultural issues. He says, oh, Pastor, you're just putting it right out there, aren't you? I'm like, well, I don't want anybody to be bait and switched. You come here, this is what, what it is. What, what it is is what you're getting, Right? I'm not gonna hide it and we get in here with a slip you a little gospel. All right? I like this. I can walk around now. I feel good. <laughs> Maybe not tomorrow. No, but in all seriousness, a pseudo Christ is heinous because a pseudo Christ saves no one. It is only the Jesus of the Bible that saves us. You're only safe in the Bible. That's why God put it together and preserved it down to this very hour to keep you safe. And He gave you His Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth of His Word so you would see His Son in all His beautiful, wondrous reality. And you would be able to discern and say, No! That's pseudo-Christianity. And no, I don't want that. I don't care what it costs me. You know, I remember when I was younger and not a pastor, I was in a big church, lots of people. And I'd walk, I'd sit in the front, and I'd walk up, you know, just leaving the church like everybody else. And then people would come out of the pews and they'd say, hey, you know, Dave, that was David or whatever it was. Hey, Dave, I got a legal problem, you know. And then I walked about three more pews. i got a legal problem. Can you maybe? Then what happened is I left the church because I realized it was pseudo. And when I left, I was like, oh, that client, potential client base of those 600 people is gone. Now I'm in a church of 50. Isn't it funny how the big churches sometimes lose the truth and the small ones keep it? There's a meme going around. You want to be big? Don't preach it straight. You'll put fifty thousand people in your church. You preach it straight, you'll have fifty people in your church, and you'll struggle to maintain them. Isn't it something? Because we have itchy ears, right? Please scratch. Will you scratch my ear, Pastor? Will you scratch my ear? We're like dogs scratch my ear my ear needs scratching we got itchy ears calvin said to confess that jesus is the christ is to confess the christ of the scriptures to deny that christ by whatever means is heresy with terrible consequences And so, true Christians know the truth. True Christians abide in the anointed because they are anointed. The anointing does not mean that they're powerful or that they feel something. The anointing means that they're set aside, they're separated by God's decree unto Him. These are my people. And you have a church, those who are really in the church may be smaller than those who are coming to the church. You follow me? But if you are anointed, if you are set aside by the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to keep you in the truth by means of his word, by means of his spirit, by means of his spirit-filled preachers. By means of Himself, He's going to keep you. Amen? And you will be able to discern truth from error. And you will be able to say, no, that's not biblical. That's not true. The Holy Spirit is so blessed. He illuminates these words of truth that we would understand them deeply in our hearts. Amen? The unbeliever looks at the Bible, reads it, and says, I don't know anything what it means. But the believer looks at the Bible, maybe sometimes with study, it may take a while, but when they get that nugget of truth, they never give it up. Amen? It's true. We abide. We must immerse ourselves in the Scriptures because even the Christian world is fraught with danger, beloved. Maybe more so. Well, i got to close. You're like, that's good. Uh, (laughs) There's a story of an old man who went to visit an old man You know that old men visit old men? This man was a music teacher. And he said to his music teaching friend, he says, What's the good news today? The old teacher was silent. As he stood up and walked across the room, he picked up a hammer and struck a tuning fork. As the note sounded out through the room, he said, That is an A. It's an A today, it was an A 500 years ago, and it will be an A 10,000 years into the future. The soprano upstairs sings off key, the tenor across the hall is flat on high notes, and the piano downstairs is out of tune. He struck the note again and said, this is an A, my friend, and that's the good news for today. Beloved, the truth never needs to be updated. It's not subject to the trends and the wackiness of the world. It was true 2,000 years ago, it will be true 2,000 years hence. Amen? And we love it. We love His truth. We've given it. I have it in the Bible. Don't you get kind of like, you know, if they're coming, I want to have all my Bibles. Because I want to take my Bibles with me. Make sure you get them in here. Because they can never take your heart out. And if they do take your heart out, you're all set. You won't need a Bible. You'll be in heaven. <laughs> the, truth, the truth does not need updating. Amen? Well, thanks for listening. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, it is the last hour, and the Antichrist is coming, and Antichrists have come, presenting pseudo-Christ, but you have given us your word. And you have given us your Spirit, and you have given us each other. And long may we, Lord, worship you in spirit and in truth, and speak truth in love. In your name we ask, amen.